Welcome everybody to the Modern Dandies Guide to Manliness. Uh, I am joined once again by Liam and Josh. We are here in the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. It's growing on me so much. Uh, just before we jump in, uh, this is my second time here. And Josh, you have been a great host, showing us so many great places to eat, drink. Uh, I'm having a blast. This is certainly gonna be something that we do more often uh, and come down here, especially now that the weather is, is, is better. Uh, the flowers are in bloom right now. I'm sneezing and blowing my nose every five seconds. <laughs> but the, uh, uh, the food that I've had today, just absolutely incredible. But today, what we're gonna talk about as kind of a follow-up to the conversation from previous episodes about um, larger financial or just corporate in general, changing a dress code from, you know, to a more casual dress code, essentially. So the idea that, is it appropriate? Is there a benefit? What are potential pitfalls for branding, for morale? Um, basically, is this a good idea? Is it a bad idea? Is it a desperate idea? Is it an ingenious idea? That's what we're trying to explore. So as dandies who really appreciate fit as a foundation of style, who people who appreciate fabric and material and the effort that goes through with putting together an outfit, um, what kind of impact might this have on a workforce? So that's, that's what we're going to talk about today. Liam, do you want to kind of jump in or do you want to summarize? Yeah, summary I, I think it's really a uh, uh, very um, good topic right now because we've seen Goldman Sachs going, are we going to relax their dress code? Mm -hmm. I have very mixed feelings about that. Um, but I understand exactly what it is. I mean, this is happens in cycles. I, I remember you know, .com, again, going back to, to the original .com, you know, the 90s, 99 in, in London, the same thing happened. They were, they were like, okay, people can turn up in like, uh, cargo pants and skateboards and cool uh, t-shirts right. and you know, hoodies and this kind of thing because like that's that's the new vibe and you know, the point that we were talking about before the show of, of this, this being a generational thing is also true mm -hmm. I think at the same time you, you can't turn up to work in the same way that you turn up to do the gardening or you turn up in you know to work remotely at home there is a lot of power and expression that goes into how you dress mm -hmm. and the relaxing of the dress goes can make that more complicated mm -hmm. so you can end up in a situation where people don't know how or what is appropriate or they just default to you know a a second uniform you know the the chinos and Oxford button-down shirts and you know Patagonia vests so I like Patagonia vests but then I actually am an outdoorsy person. I think yeah. you know, walking around Wall Street in one makes you a bit of a wanker. <laughs> um, and same in San Francisco, the VCs, you know, they wouldn't know it if they tripped over it. Uh, so bully to you, Patagonia, for, for stepping on that because great clothing, not a sponsor. Yet. Um, it becomes a default, <laughs> it becomes a default uniform. Yes. So you're just swapping one uniform for another uniform. Right. And, and, and so you're not really making a change. I think a cultural change is 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 where you embrace a way of people being able to express their professionalism in an appropriate way. We talked a little bit about this with our dandy ladies where Aubrey had made 
uh, I felt uh, a great point where going to a casual dress code kind of touches on that point where you're saying where it's just you're sort of just swapping uniforms a little bit and hopefully I'm not restating this incorrectly but I felt that her point was that you're not changing professionalism per se you're 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 just trying to 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 bridge a gap on what is acceptable at work and so you're just change you're, you're trying to restate what is acceptable and Liam, if I'm kind of hearing from you there, is that if it's not done very carefully, then you end up with employees who don't know what professionalism is anymore. What am I supposed to wear? And for people who are trying to succeed and who are trying to elevate their status, they're left with maybe a little bit of confusion. Josh, what do you think? Yeah, I think, I think it, it diverges in, in two different directions here. I think, you know, when I was younger, you know, mid 90s 2000s beginning of my professional career having a dress code where you know I had to show up at work every day in a suit means is what helps me know now when I'm a consultant working for myself in my own company in a in an industry that's much more casual in general I still know what's appropriate and what's not so it's a little bit generational it's a little bit cultural it's a little bit of of knowing what is real and what is what is inappropriate for a professional setting, um, and I think that's the piece that will really ultimately matter. Is I don't care what, what the dress code is as long as you are appropriate. And I think even the cargo pants and t-shirts and on a skateboard, you know, in a dot com office, was okay because that was the culture. And now that culture also didn't last, and it also included, you know, free beer and foosball tables. Well, but that's interesting enough because that that culture is still there, and it's interesting to see: is it a constant feedback loop where the next upstart thinks that oh, I have to be that way to be successful? In the same way that I think that in you know the larger financials, they okay, well, if I want to be the next Goldman Sachs, I need to have everybody wearing like so the most pristine. I, I thought it was it was fascinating going through the first dot com because let's face it, it's like it's actually not about you or you as an employee. It's about how your clients, how the people that are giving you money for your services perceive you. Mm-hmm. And if they want to see someone in a skateboard with a Hoxton fin, look it up on the internet. Yes, <laughs> Uh, what the fuck then... is the internet? <laughs> <laughs> it's a loose collection of tubes. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, let's not start this conversation. Um, uh, so Google, I'll give you the same answer I gave you during the interview. The, <laughs> the, the, but the point is, is like, like what is going to help you get, the, get your customer to believe in what you do? Mm-hmm. And part of this was actually about, oh, customers are expecting people to be like cool and funky. It's like, Actually, if you can, go back and pull a book called Funky Business, written by a couple of, of Swedish guys in the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, about the emerging business culture. It kind of captures the vibe at the time. It's like the whole razorfish vibe. Again, look it up on the internet. And we're just going through that again. One of the things is that at the end of that, like 2003, 2004, is like... the there was this thing in London, it's like, oh yes, everyone's going you know, B2B and B2C, you know, which is back to banking and back to consulting. Yeah. And the suits came back. Uh, 
one of my favorite moments of that in like year 2000-ish, 2000, 2001, my friend Phil came up to me and was like going, do you know the great thing about this business casual thing is that all of the tailors are hurting. So you can get a really great three-piece ah. suit <laughs> with bone buttons for a quarter of what it cost two years ago. And we're all like going, oh, hells yes. <laughs> we're all enterprise architects and you know, we're at the, the cutting edge of technology and, and business, the, the merger of those two things. We're designing new business models and helping companies transform and government transform into a new era. And we're using fountain pens, wearing three-piece suits, carrying leather-bound notebooks that are hand-stitched. Mm -hmm. and, like, and you're the enterprise architects. It's like going, yes, this technology works perfectly fine. That's right. And, and it also differentiated us. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we go, oh, you, you could always spot the technical architect in the room because they were the one with the fountain pen. Yeah. Not the tablet, not the equivalent of the Apple Watch right. or, the, or the, those kind of things. Yes. So I, I think that a relaxed dress code allows a lot of freedom. But one, depending where you are in your career and what you're doing, is that do not ignore the power of 2,000 years of male styling or female styling in how you can express yourself in that. If everyone else is wearing pleated chinos and dockers slash ugly shoes and you know Patagonia vests, turn up in a suit jacket and a really nice fitting pair of jeans and a really good pair of shoes and see how much more power you generate in that room. Well, and we had alluded to it a little bit and I just wanna to clarify towards a conversation we had before we started recording, which was that uh, something that the Dandy Ladies had, had come out with uh, at the end of our, our episode where the whole move to a, a casual dress code, uh, the message came across that this is not a, a, a gender, it's more of a generational. And so Liam, that's what you were touching on at the beginning there. And, and I think that if, what's the whole reason for doing it? And, and Liam, I think you, you pointed out that it's, you have customers who are paying you money and you are trying to look appropriate to them. We had talked about on this podcast, fit being the foundation of style, fit in this application is for the appropriateness of the event, the interaction. So if you are in a service to others with financial inter, uh, transactions, there seems to, in my opinion, be a little bit of a desperation on the point of some of these financials who are becoming maybe wrongly, maybe they are incorrect in this assumption, but they feel like they're becoming out of touch with a generation that is coming in that doesn't, what they think doesn't respect uh, the, the more uh, stodgy things. Now, I don't believe that, but I, I think that they're incorrect about that. I think that they're... I, 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 so I, I think that your assessment of their perception is correct. I think they're handling it in a cack-handed way. And you know, we, like lo we love the, the, <laughs> the dandy ladies. The, and I think, as I talking before, um, so for people who are listening, it's like Josh and I were nowhere near the conversation that was happening. So we have not heard it yet. That's true. Yes. Uh, and, and, and so all, all we can say is that the, the, the ladies help us continuously with their insight and direction and slap us around the head, stop us being idiots. And, <laughs> uh, 
But the one thing that was communicated to us was that one summary about it being yeah. a generational thing. And I agree. And it was a generational thing back yeah. when I was that generation, being the oldest person in the room. So I get to, I get to play that card <laughs> occasionally. And, and Josh is the second oldest. Um, yay, high I'm, five. I'm third oldest. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you fourth? Isn't Mudcat younger than you? Or older than you? No, Mudcat's younger Mudcat's than Mudcat's younger than me. Yeah, Mudcat's Mudcat's also not so, here. Mud, Mudcat's the baby. So he's not in the room, person. <laughs> it's not... not Miss you, love. This is all getting cut. Liam, and back in the room. So Liam, so, you agree with that that overall assessment, uh, but but the companies are handling it inappropriately. How do you how do you think that this misstep might hit? So they're they're trying to appease what they think people want. This is a bunch of gray old guys trying to be cool. Yeah, um, and. Rollerblades are cool, right? Everyone rollerblades. Everyone rollerblades. Is it like, are we going to be hip? And so they set out an HR committee to analyze you know, what they believe the young people want from a working environment, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so they come up with this kind of crap. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's a sop. Yeah. You know, it, it's a, you know, what people want Okay, so I'm, I'm going to diverge off here for a second. You know, what people generally <laughs> want in, their, in, in employment is a perfectly reasonable feeling that what they're doing matters, that yes. what they're doing helps them grow towards something they want to do, mm-hmm. and that uh, you know, the people that they work with, the people they enjoy. There's a whole bunch of hygiene factors around employment and all the rest of it. This goes back into the dark ages of time. I'll write a blog about it at some point and we can just like, link to that one. Yeah. The, the, but the key thing is, is that it's like simple things like, like dress codes. Is, it's like, to Josh's point, eh, suits made it easy. I found suits being easy. Suits was the difference between university and employment. Right. And I mean, I went through a couple of startups before I got into real employment. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it was, it's that effort of you're doing something different. You are preparing yourself to go to work, to do things that are not just kicking around on an effing skateboard. Yeah. I think agreeing in part and dissenting in part. <laughs> I, I, th- I think we're, we're at a point right now where they are, you know, these old white guys in a room making decisions about what, what young people think is cool, but it's not just about that. I think what we're seeing is a a shift in the economy, a shift in, in, in our culture to where we have much more, more of a maker economy now. People are doing creative jobs for themselves. And if you're Goldman Sachs, where the dress code used to be, you know, power is a yellow tie and suspenders and your hair slicked back like Gordon Gecko in Wall Street, yeah. you know, they're competing for employees. Yes. And they have, to, they have to be competing on a level where, well, you know, I could go... You know, run They're my own graphic design Facebook, shop, you know, for and you know, work in my pajamas. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't go on the trading floor in pajamas. So, what can we do to make Wall Street more appealing? And I, I think also, I mean, just culturally, like Wall Street isn't having a real great time right now in sort of the national conversation. So, how do you make it attractive to people, right? How do you make those kinds of jobs attractive to people? Well, one of them is like we're not going to tell you what you have to wear. So I, I agree, but I think what they're doing is is they're wallpapering over the cracks. Yes. It's like the same old jobs yeah. are the same old crap, and they really want you to behave in the same way. They're just letting you turn up in, 
in chinos and, uh, and vests without ties. Now, there was a really interesting point in, in London, which, which, uh, and I, I throw back on this because it is that 99 to 2001 era where I'm looking back and it's like going, a lot of the same stuff happened. And, and there was a point about a little bit after that, actually, it was like 2002, 2003, where one thing that happened during that era was that there was a big influx of Australians, New, Zealand's, uh, New Zealanders and uh, South Africans. And then at some point through some mass hive brain of far-flung Antipodeans, we all decided to stop wearing ties. And I never worked out why. And we all wore the suits. We had the pocket squares. We had the nice shoes. We had the great shirts. But we all just decided, like, ties were like, nah. And, and, and I think in addition to, like, the business casual thing, you can see some of these other trends starting to emerge again now. And, and I thoroughly appreciated that because I, I, I appreciate ties. I like them. I think they're fine. But given you know, nine times out of ten, I really hate wearing them. I, I, when I started, this is good, just talking about ties specifically. When I was getting out of high school, I, when I wanted to seem slick and like really well put together, it wasn't just putting on a nice suit or a nice button down. Uh, as you may have guessed, amongst my peers, I was the one who was very forward in dressing well. And then as they started to catch up, it was, well, how can I stay ahead of this? <laughs> They're all starting to realize that they should dress well also. And, you know, I've always had, I've had suits since I was 15. Because my parents were very nice and they liked, they saw that I liked this and they were very cool and I love them very much for allowing me to indulge in suits at 15 when you're growing out of them. Anyway, putting on the tie was that way to go that extra step. Later on I learned that shoes, you know, so there are these little things that you can do to accessorize a suit. But the tie, and I remember because my father was just done with ties, like <laughs> in much the same way that you had just described, like, no, I've done the ties, they're not, they're not necessary, I don't need to have them, I don't need them anymore. And I was just like, oh, closet of ties, like all of a sudden I had all these ties, but then I went through the same exact thing. It's like, okay, I've done ties, they're, they're a lovely accessory, and in certain institutions like politics, they are absolutely required. I'm, you know, they, they make a weird statement. It's, we'll talk about that. Mm. But I also went Whole through the thing, like I wanted to get rid of them because one, it's just an extra nuisance. I don't like the collar right tight around my neck. But in that regard, I think this kind of can transition to something that I had asked the other group, which was, what do you feel you should wear to be viewed as a professional in the eyes of, of your clients? Josh, maybe you want to leave that. So your clients, when they look at you, <clears throat> what should you be wearing for them to treat you as a professional? I handle this very situationally. Because um, I'm dealing, so I, I, for those who don't remember or haven't heard, I work in politics. Mm -hmm. But I'm rarely in the government offices. Okay. Right? So I'm on the political side, not the official side. I'm working, you know, they're hiring me for sort of creativity and strategy. Okay. You're seen as a creative in their world. I am. So I will rarely wear the tie, but I also know that there are times when it's appropriate. Mm -hmm. I do a lot of the, the suit with no tie. I do 
A lot Are you of wearing the, jeans. A lot of the boys are in jeans. Okay. Yep. Um, you know, we, we joked about uniforms, but it is sort of a consultant's uniform to wear a blazer and jeans, you mm-hmm. know, white button-down shirt. I try to mix it up a little, color, find other ways, like you said before, to sort yeah. of stick out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find they care less and less. Mm. The client. The client. The clients care less and less. If they're I, they're focusing more on your content. On the work. Yes. Can, can you do the work? Can you demonstrate that you're you're the right person to be a fit with me, you know, and I, I talk a lot, a lot about this when I, when I pitch clients, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a slightly different kind of consultant. I want to, you know, not impress you necessarily with who I know or even, you know, what my technical capabilities are. I want to be able to, to say like, I can sort of mind meld with you. I can be part of your, your team. I can be working with you in a way that's sort of very personal. And part of that is also not being intimidating. Um, mm. You know, yeah, I don't want to. I don't go into a meeting and say, "Well, I know more than you do, and I know you you've run for office before and lost." So let me fix that. You're not doing a fear-based. I'm not pitch. not doing that. So I I actually want to be a little softer when I go into a room. We're going to talk more about it, but I want to go through. So now, Liam, same question: Your clients who come in and speak with you, I, I completely agree with Josh in everything that he said, and he just also launched about five other podcasts in <laughs> <Yes>. 90 <laughs> seconds right there. Um, it's interesting because I'm coming back to something that you, you actually raised as well, is that once you get to a level of professional attainment, you get a lot more flexibility in how you dress. Mm-hmm. Until you have reached that level of, of, of professional attainment, yeah. you don't have that. You need to dress how your client customer expects you and behave and articulate yourself in the way that they expect so uh you know i I went through a whole thing going back to the ties thing where where as i thought it was so amazing that in like a two-year period with no apparent collaboration is like all of the the antipodeans decided that they weren't going to wear ties was was you turn up in your suits you're having to fit in and to be accepted, you have to be fit in to be credible. You are having to meet an expectation because if you turn up in a way that confounds the expectation of the person that you're going to talk to, you will not be taken seriously. Right. And if that means turning up in a suit, if that, it goes back to actually what we talked about in the you know, fit being the foundation of style, which is, is that the respect element of that. If you turn up and the person feels that you are not respecting their time, their money, and what have you, you have just created an enormous barrier to success. Yes. So you may feel cool. You may feel that this is what all of the kids with a Z are doing right now. <laughs> with a Z? With a Z. <laughs> okay. with, with, with a Z. The Z for zebra, Zachariah. The, you may feel that that's the... The, what everyone else is doing, if it's getting in the way of you being successful, don't fucking do it. And be aware that that's your impediment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it, it's an interesting balance between what you feel you should be dressing like to be approved by your client as being respectful and, and worth their investment and it also has to be balanced out from the other side of what you feel for yourself that you take yourself credible 
that you believe in yourself that you are worth yeah. their time and investment and, and just for yourself as well. There's another, another level to it that is very much related to this professional attainment, which is, you know, I've been working into politics for 20 something years now. I've produced great results. And I, I'm at a point in my career and my business where I can say, if someone doesn't want to work with me because I didn't wear a tie, they're not going to be someone I want to work with either. <laughs> yeah, and you mentioned that on a previous episode. Right? I thought that was very profound. So, you know, w- w- fit goes both ways. And part of it is, I don't want to say it's a test, but it, it's a little bit of, you know, it's a way to flag something early for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to show up and I'm going to go into a meeting dressed pretty much like I am today, you know, jeans, button-down shirt, you know, boots, You're boots from Nashville. You're final question. You're going ahead. I, I'm, no, I'm, I'm inten- being intentionally vague. <laughs> no, so so I, think, I think absolutely agree. And there, there is the flip side, and I can't remember whether I mentioned this in a previous episode, but there was one time I remember getting a call when I was on vacation. I wasn't doing anything special because I was traveling all of the time. So I was actually at home. Uh, and I'd gone out and I was dressed very casually. And I got a call from managing partner at the firm I was walking for. It's like going, what are you doing right now? Are you in London? I was like, yes. And, and he was like going, uh, could you come to this particular place in, in, in London? I want you to meet with someone. I said, look, got to warn you. It's my, you know, I'm, I'm on vacation. It's my week off. Right. You know, I don't have I'm, the power suit on right now. In fact, even worse, I was wearing denim jeans, which at that point in London was basically like being nailed to a cross and set on fire in terms of corporate fashion. And a T-shirt, and he goes, "I don't care." He said, "Can you come to?" Uh, I can mention the name of the building to give away who I was going to go and talk to, um, but it's along the Thames, and and I actually happened to be having lunch, pizza and beer on the other side of the Thames, and I went, "Yes, I can be there in like fifteen minutes." Okay, so I walk in there, and everyone else is in suits and ties and those kind of things. This is a, a global company, by the way. This is a multi-billion dollar global company. You have pizza and in I your went, hand. I, I, I may have <laughs> pizza the stains on my T-shirt. Actually, so I, I, I have a really bad habit of, of dripping things on my shirts. It's terrible. I, I, which does mean I've got great tricks about how to get stains out of shirts. Mm-hmm. Another episode. The... And the thing was, is that at, at the same time about what you wear is, it's also how you comport yourself. Yes. It's how you present yourself. And it's like going, crap, I am wearing sneakers, denim jeans, and a time when denim jeans was not an accepted form of workwear, and a t-shirt, because it's actually warm in London, also doesn't happen very much, increasingly so, but moving on. And I have to walk in to the chief operating officer of a major global company and present myself. And the thing is, you, you can't apologize for it. You just have to walk in and go, I was on vacation. What do you need? I think this is a, I'm listening to the conversation we're having right now. And I'm thinking about our whole show, our whole podcast. And it's the modern dandy's guide to manliness. And this for me is a very eye-opening moment. Maybe it's just for myself and a few listeners. But <laughs> to, to be the, the, the ignorant one here... It, could it then be said that as much as on this show we talk about how much we appreciate style and we appreciate material and we love the different shoes and the suits and the, we we like the materialism that this affords us that would be our dandy side 
Could it be said though, that as we talk about what it really means to be a man, a human being really, in a professional environment, really gender fluid, it doesn't actually matter. It's not what you're wearing, it's who you are, it's what your character is. Now you are approached first on what you're wearing, people are visual, they see what you're wearing, so it matters for that moment. But if, if you're gonna move forward through life and try to obtain success in the career that you're going after, don't think that because you're wearing the right clothes that you are successful. It's what you do. Wearing the right clothes can get you past the first gate, but then it goes out from there. And am I on something? What do you think about that, Sean? I think you are, and I still haven't heard the conversation you had with the dandy ladies, but I think that is a thing that we are able to say as three white men. Oh, that's fair. That, no, that other folks cannot say. I think you know women are judged very harshly on, uh, well, she, she wore that to a job interview, mm-hmm. right? You know, you know it, it, is, it, is, it is cliche to say at this point, but that is, that is our white male privilege that, that mm-hmm. lets us say, that, oh, yeah, we can show up in jeans and a T-shirt and you know, just be ourselves and no one will Absolutely. judge us for it. Yes. Ah, uh, yeah. So, yeah, we have to consider that as well. That- so I, I think Josh makes an excellent point about the, the, the gendering. And again, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing that and your ladies. The other side is, is that it's absolutely not what you wear, it's how you wear it. And mm. I think that was more of my point. And well stated, thank you for clarifying. The, the element there is, is that sometimes you, you just have to walk into it, overdressed, underdressed, whatever it is. This is way harder for women because of, I believe, um, because of all of the different baggage that comes with how they dress mm-hmm. and how they're perceived. I, I would flip those. It's not as much as how, how they dress as how society views the way they dress. Correct. Thank you. That's a much better way of putting it. And uh, I think for, for men, however, there is an awareness that's twofold, which is be very aware of that, which is like leaping to superficial judgments and criticizing somebody else uh, or, or commenting on, some, on somebody else, particularly a female colleague or a male colleague, what have you. And and then the meh. Yeah, no, it. there's the no, that's okay. I, what what I think what we're kind of circling around and very clearly trying to understand for ourselves uh, as as we we explore is that going back to our main topic, as these sort of larger corporates kind of move towards a, ca- a casual dress code, it's really a bunch of bullshit because they are trying to, as you said, wallpaper over a problem without really addressing what the actual problem was. So for those of you out there who are at that beginning stages of your career, what you wear is very important in how people view you. Take pride in that. Um, Don't feel that if if, if you are being put into a casual dress code, that doesn't mean you have to dress sloppily. Uh, sloppily? Sloppily is good. <laughs> As Liam stated, it's not what you're wearing, it's how you're wearing it. If your dress code is jeans and a button down, tuck in your shirt and get a good belt. Uh, 
wear jeans that fit. Uh, fit is the foundation of style. Never wear running shoes. <laughs> it, it, you know, be appropriate to the environment you're in. Don't be a bully and wear the three-piece suit in a, in a casual dress code environment to give a fuck you to that code. If you want to wear a three-piece suit, talk to your management. Talk, find a way for that to be appropriate so that you are lifting people up. I know, Liam, we talked about that before where yep. you were going against that sort of hoodie environment, and, but you wanted to bring people up. You didn't want to push people down. I think that's really kind of the whole thing about when we look at dress codes in general, whether or not you agree with them, that it is a set of rules for which you two operate within to showcase how you can be successful, how you can help others be successful. And if people say, no, you got to wear jeans today. Okay, go out and get a great pair of jeans. <laughs> um, and I, I think I want to pick up on one thing that you've yeah. said there that I think was very uh, insightful. A lot of it was insightful, but I want to pick up this <laughs> one thing that was... I was holding <laughs> back. <laughs> and, 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 that is, and that is that one of the, the challenges that has been seen in the past is that when you relax the dress code, you relax the performance standards is that if you're being given a more relaxed dress code, that does not equate to slacking off in your performance in the role that you have to do for your work. Yeah. And the, the- And that just comes to like well, management I mean, technique. This, is, so this has this to be is, very clearly stated. Okay, rant alert. This comes back to the, the startup thing of, oh, we're going to have foosball tables and this kind of things and, and, and like, like beer at four o'clock, blah, 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 blah. You know, all of those things are, are detractors mm. to performance. Right. And, you know, unless you and, work and, for a and, foosball and table. Unless you work for a foosball company <laughs> and you're in the queue. Behind the bar. <laughs> so so the, the, the thing is like, a big part about this is is that performance cures all of your dressing ills. Yeah. And and that if you get done and exceed what's expected of you, then a whole world of things is, is open to you. Up until that point, you have to be aware of how others perceive you. Right. You haven't branded yourself yet to be able to give yourself that flexibility. You always have to be aware of how you're perceived. Oh, absolutely. I completely agree. However, you get a lot more flexibility when you're delivering. You get the stuff. right. You get more if, license with performance. Yeah, if, if you're if you're the diva standing up on stage, you know, singing the aria in front of, of fifty thousand people, then you get a lot more leeway than the person you know carrying the train. Yes. Yeah. Well, look it up on the internet. I lost you on that <laughs> metaphor, but I, I think I get you. <laughs> I just actually want to go see an aria now. Uh, we're we're going to wrap up here. In summary, I think that Liam, you said it very well, and Josh, you backed it up with the fact that the image you project is the image that is perceived. In the beginning, those receiving really only have 
your hygiene, your your clothing choices, your your things like that, your your body language, work ethic hasn't really gotten. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I am making many visual cues to the work ethic thing that Josh just and, and once you obtain that success, I, I think that it's more, maybe whether it's conscious or subconscious to yourself, your body language is telling a lot more than your clothing. So Liam, when you walk into that room in, in jeans and a t-shirt, it's your body language that's conveying a lot of yes, it. Yes, it's not only my body language because like any dickhead can do that. Uh, it was the fact that there was a managing partner from the firm and a bunch of senior people there. It was their body language to me walking in. Mm-hmm. And so that was, that's what gave me the credibility. And it, this, is, this is an instinctual thing. This is an animal thing. Mm-hmm. Is that the only reason I got away with that was that firstly, I didn't get all flustered about the fact that I was turning up completely inappropriately dressed. Right. Uh, because you and, knew that you were going to be able to deliver on oh, what I, they Oh, I tell you what, I was scared fucking shitless. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> Take it back. And, and, and however, I couldn't display that. It's a display weakness that will tear you alive. Yes. Um, the, the thing was that when I walked in there, there were all these people in suits who the moment that they walked in, they was like, oh, thank God he's here. And, and right. their body language that, and the customers that, picked yeah. up on that. And that's the animal cues that can get away with that kind of thing. I would not say to anyone is like, expect to walk in with a bunch of, of, of people in, in, in like your Speedos and try and carry off good the same in my kind of Speedos. Uh, you do because you're tall and <laughs> we skinny. We make lots of fun friends with Speedos. Okay, anyway. Josh yeah. and I look like <laughs> walruses in Lycra. This is not a good look. Um, it's like oh oh, so so there is part of that as well as I knew I had some instinct about the situation I was walking into. But the the thing was is 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 the way you comport yourself is equally important. You can put on a really expensive suit, and I have seen people do this: put on four, five, six, seven, eight thousand dollar suits, and they still look like something the dog threw up. Yes, because they 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 they're wearing clothes, right? It is not who they are. See, blank dictator. I mean, it's you know you can you can put on the costume. It doesn't mean you can act the part. Yeah, that's a great way of phrasing it. Let's let's summarize up for for everybody and, and close down the episode. Thank you so much uh, to to both of you. Uh, another great one. Um, what are we drinking right now? Oh, Basil Hayden. Ba- say it again because you said it way better than I said it in the uh, last episode. I, I, so that's the way I said it. I'm going to hand over I to had Josh basil. to Basil. <laughs> I, I, I say Basil Hayden. I've watched Faulty Towers enough, so I say Basil. Um, basil Hayden's, and, and I wasn't able to do this on the last one. Where is this from? Can you give me a little, a little history? What, what is the. So it, it's a, uh, bourbon, a Frank- it's a whiskey, it's, it's a bourbon, it? Frankfurt, Kentucky. Um, all very good. I just have to point out. You have to talk about your boots right now. <laughs> okay, we're drinking bourbon. What are we wearing? Wes, I'll answer that. So, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm wearing, so I will start with the boots. Uh, Josh came with me on a trip to the boot barn in Nashville, and I was seeking out some ostrich. Now, that's not what I'm wearing. Uh, I had in my mind 
the perfect set of boots for being rock and roll was a white pair of boots and they didn't have it. And I, my, my heart kind of sunk because like, if I can't get a fucking rock and roll pair of boots in Nashville, where are you going to get them? But this amazing salesperson, uh, former military guy, I think he said he was like in Vietnam. Like it, yeah. it just he, fantastic guy. Like I would love to have him on the episode as being just a whole nother viewpoint. But he found these handmade boots from Mexico and they're just cow, but uh, we'll get a picture of it somehow. We'll get it up. Uh, the detail here is fantastic. The comfort is amazing. Uh, best pair of boots I've ever owned. And uh, I'm wearing them with my November Rain Indochino suit. Uh, a nice white button down from Trunk Club. Um, and uh, my Omega, is that how it's said? <laughs> my it's Omega. Omega. You can say however you like. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I, I'm I'm very happy to be and, wearing my, and, my suit. And Josh, are you wearing the boots that you bought in Nashville as well? Yes, I also am wearing the boots sold to me by the same gentleman at, at the booth barn. Uh, they are, I believe, a pair of Justin Ropers. Uh, again, same guy. He, he showed me boots much like the ones Wes has on, which means nothing to the listening audience. <laughs> uh, and then he showed me these, and these were just... These, these were... These were the boots this that were be meant to be on my feet. This could be its own half episode on its own where we had the conversation of the boots that he showed you and tried to upsell you on, they were better boots. Absolutely. But they didn't look as good on you. They, they were better made. They were you know, more authentic. They were all the things that I wanted. And these just, I put them on and they were my boots. They didn't make your ovaries jump. They did not. <laughs> a whole other conversation around that one. Um, they are fantastic boots. And you also have uh, a beautiful button-down shirt. What is that? What's the chambl- What's the term for that type of fabric? Linen. It's linen. Linen. Oh, okay. It's linen. It is a, just a lavender-colored, very spring-like Banana Republic uh, linen shirt. And I, I had to take off my, my first Indochino jacket purchase uh we are in a very hot warm. attic right now a converted <laughs> attic and it is about 90 million degrees but we are too dandy to, to get out of our nice suits I, I, I would have shorted out the microphone sweating so much too dandy um and and i have a pair of purple bespoke monk strap single monk strap maslan shoes handmade in spain that were actually made for a crew in New Orleans who didn't pick them up and they fit me perfectly. So I got them for like a hundred bucks and they're effing awesome. And then a, a, what looks like the end of the universe, purple pantherella pattern socks. And, and, uh, and then the rest of me is kind of like Navy cause Navy's the new black. Um, yeah. I would argue also if, if we, again, horrible for a podcast to talk about such visual things, but both of you, I believe, are wearing the utmost perfection of what some would consider corporate casual, because you're not technically wearing suits. Mm-hmm. Both of you are wearing denim, nope. mm-hmm. and yet you do not look sloppy. You do not look um, casual in the least. You look you look uh, very dandy, if I may say so. I'm wearing a two-piece suit. Uh, with a button down, I, my boots are what's throwing the whole thing off for corporate. But I would say it depends where you are in the U.S. True, right. that in, that's very true. If I was in South Texas, Mason Dixon, yeah. you're good. Uh, 
so the whole thing about what is casual dress code, it's really just go out there, be the best person you can be, wear clothes that make you feel confident and make others feel confident in you. Thanks everyone. Join us next time on the Modern Dandies Guide to Manliness. Cheers, y'all. Cheers. Cheers. Woo. I'm just gonna clink glasses until we're dead.